Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast, recorded on January 30th, 2022. I'm your host, Ventor, a small-time streamer with big-time dreams. You can follow me most follow me on most platforms under Ventornado. That is V-E-N-T-O-R-N-A-D-O. And that is on Minds, Gab, YouTube, Rumble, and a few others. All right, and I'm going to pass it on over to our, my co-host, John, and he'll do his intro. Hello, everyone. I am John, also known as Sophomore John, on most channels such as YouTube, Twitch, and Rumble. Uh, I am also just a streamer, YouTuber, former musician, and all-around rad dude. And I appreciate you uh, having me here tonight, Ben. No problem. Alrighty, uh, let's start off um, to the next topic by introducing our guests, Connor, Gunga, and Shin. Uh, why don't each of you tell us a few things about yourselves, and then I'll proceed to introduce the topic for today's episode. Uh, so, I guess we'll start with me. I'm Connor. I am a U.S. Marine. I've known Ben Tornado for probably, what, 10, close to 10 years now. Um, went to high school together. Um, that's pretty much my, that's pretty much who I am. I don't have any social media. So if you're going to try to follow me on that, good luck finding it. If you find it, that's not me. So I'll just pass it on to the next person now. All right, what's up, guys? My name's Gunga. I'm a 21-year-old mechanical engineer. Um, you can find me on most streaming platforms, YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram under Gunga. Alrighty, and then okay, Shin. so my name's Shin. Uh, I happen to waste a lot of time talking to people, and all I do is stream and be a paraplegic. Alrighty, thank you, uh, Shin, Gunga, and Connor. Let's uh, introduce the topic for this episode. Uh, the topic is going to be China and the CCP, or the Communist Party of China. Uh, these topics will include many recent controversies in regards to China. Uh, the opinions stated by the hosts and guests should not be considered as pure fact, and we encourage everyone to do your own research on all topics discussed. The topics in question will be presented through our opinions and what we know firsthand from our own research, and we once again encourage everybody to do their own research. Before we get started on the Freeform discussion, however, I think it would be best if each of us said their general stance on the topic overall so we have a general idea where everyone stands. Uh, I'll start it off by saying that I fully believe that the CCP, Communist Party of China or, Communi or Chinese Communist Party, is a major threat to not just the United States, but even the world. Not having been to China personally, some of the things I have heard coming out of China leaves me deeply concerned for the well-being of not just the U.S., but also the citizens of China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Uh, I'll ta pass it on over to my co-host. Uh, just give your own general opinion on the topic, and uh, we'll then pass it on to the guests. Yeah, so I do agree with you that China is... Obviously, one of the biggest threats in the world, both economically 
uh, in a military standpoint as well. But this is a problem that stems back at least as far back to the um, Nixon administration when he opened up the floodgates. And it's just been a downward spiral where everyone has just been giving China all, basically handing over power to them. And uh, you can see that in them taking over Hong Kong so easily and what they do to not only the people that live there, but to the countries that just want to do business with them. So, yeah, China is bad, obviously, all around. And uh, I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. Excellent. So, Thank you. And yep, Connor, you're up next. All right. So for just my general opinion, um, pretty much in agreement, um, I don't fully believe that their intent when they started out back in back in the 70s when Nixon kind of introduced, in a sense, China to the world. I don't believe their intention was world domination or to be as dominant as they are today. Um, I kind of view that they wanted to be more of a regional power, um, and it quickly kind of spiraled out of, out of control like communism mostly does. So that's kind of where I stand. Um, there are good Chinese people around the world, and there's also bad. We're clearly seeing the mix of the both, and yeah, we'll just kind of go from there. Uh, so I guess I'll go now. Um, I guess my stance on it is, so I actually, I guess before my freshman year of college actually started, I had an opportunity to live in China for like three weeks, uh, as part of a study abroad. And I'll say like, it's definitely weird, um, how many restrictions there are over there. Like obviously, um, you know, no Google access over there, which made it really difficult for us to get around. Um, I think I'm in agreement with uh, the hosts that, you know, the CCP is obviously, in my opinion, uh, a pretty terrible thing. Um, but I, you know, in, I guess, a little bit of an opposition, um, I think that the, the Chinese people are like, in general, really, really great. Um, you know, we actually got lost uh, across the Shanghai River while I was over there. And if it hadn't been for the people of China, I'd probably still be there, so. <laughs> And that's uh, kind of my general take on it. All right. Okay, so my general take on uh, current-day China is effectively a Mao situation uh, sprung out of control. Uh, his original ideal, since I'm probably divisively uh, contrarian to majority of your guys' opinions, uh, seeing as I'm a stabilist, I, I enjoyed uh, what Mao was trying to do originally before all of his plans got taken too seriously. And that's my general opinion about how it is now, where it's essentially a power struggle uh, between two of the major countries. That was stupid. Alrighty. Uh, from there, we're going to go ahead and start the freeform discussion. Uh, I definitely, uh, from the initial responses from everybody's general stance of China, I would like to point out that I have a feeling today's conversation is going to focus more so on the CCP. 
Uh, with that being said, a uh, personal opinion on like the Chinese people. I unfortunately do not have the benefit or knowledge of the Chinese people as much. So I will go into the whole conversation completely considering that it's possible the Chinese people do support the CCP. However, once again, from what I have heard, I actually don't think that's the case. So I think uh, most of our arguments are probably going to lead towards the CCP and why we may think it's good or bad over the Chinese public. Um, would you all agree that would be a safe assumption that for the most part, the Chinese people, they're basically people like everywhere else in the world? Yeah, the focus here is mostly on the government and the regime or the political machine, not the everyday people that are stuck in this country. From traveling around the world, um, as much as I've done, I can I'm gonna agree that you take any person from around the, from from any country, say Africa or South America or North America, you name it. At the end of the day, all that they're trying to do is just get to the next day. So, if it means helping out the person next to you or going out of your way to get something done, I believe that's how humans are and whether you're chinese american brazilian it doesn't matter everyone's pretty much the same i can agree with that because i think we as a race species um we have more in common with each other than what most people realize and uh in many cases bad situations just tend to happen and it's we're forced to navigate the world in the best that we can with that being said uh, i actually connor uh, one of your points that you mentioned uh, during your brief uh, overview of china their initial intent um would you be willing to elaborate on that a little bit because that actually uh, pulled my attention to it because i do agree i think their initial intent may have been a little different than what it is now <laughs> so this is kind of stemming back from the second Chinese-Japanese war that was involved with the whole World War II situation. Um, China had broken apart leading up to this. They briefly they had a brief civil war prior to the Japanese invasion, kind of just giving a, a brief breakdown of what happened. Um, they Japanese attacked. All the Chinese states, warlords, neighboring states, what have you, they kind of joined together to fight off the Japanese. Um, once that conflict was over and both sides kind of, they kind of calmed down in a sense. Give it, they gave it like two years and then they were back into conflict. At that point in time, the, the CCP, the communist Chinese regime, uh, managed to win the civil war and then the nationalist Chinese government proceeded to go to Taiwan and that's we're having that that current situation with a possible Chinese invasion of Taiwan for the past what 50 years um, but back in the 60s and 70s um, China quickly quickly industrialized 
And I, from, from what I've gathered, of course, I haven't actually interviewed the individuals who were part of this, but just from my pondering, I, I strongly believe that they want to be, they, they wanted to be more as a regional power to kind of dictate things with the countries around them, Vietnam, India, the Koreas, Japan, just that general region. Um, they kind of, with Nixon opening up China to that kind of industrial power, I think they realize how quickly that their power can kind of snowball in a way because obviously they had the population, um, they were getting more schools, so their, their population was beginning to get more intelligent in a sense. And it just quickly snowballed. And then you add on top of that, as we discussed earlier, the CCP um, kind of using that as a leverage to gain more power across the entire world, which is what we're seeing right now with the Belt and Road Initiative when it comes to building infrastructure around the world. Um, it's, I, I believe that their regional, the regional kind of goal quickly snowballed into, hey, why stop here? Let's see, how, let's see how much we can do. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Awesome. That does make a lot of sense. Like, you give somebody an inch, they take a mile sort of situation. That definitely uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, precisely. Um, Ganga, you mentioned uh, you lived uh, in China for a couple of weeks right before uh, your freshman year of college. What would you say, if you had the privilege of, uh, how would you describe the relationship between the government and its citizens over in China? You mentioned uh, Google being banned, and that's definitely another topic that we can get into. Um, but yeah, what's your opinion on that? Like, did you notice anything? Honestly, like as weird as it is to say, like, I didn't really like notice anything in particular. Um, I think that might honestly be because of a language barrier possibly too. you know, like if you're walking around the streets of New York, you're probably going to hear some people complain about, you know, government, especially in like any heavily populated city. But um, I could have just missed it because I don't specifically know Mandarin. Um, but no, I mean, everything seemed honestly pretty normal from what I've noticed uh, maybe it's just because like the people and crowds I was around nowadays or were around uh, or back when I went were around my age so they were kind of just born into it and that's like their norm and what they grew up with um, so they wouldn't have realized anything had changed recently um, but yeah basically to answer your question no uh, everything seemed pretty normal everybody was really nice to me there were tons of people wanting to take pictures with me because I'm like six foot one and have blonde hair, which is just not seen in China. But, you know, nobody was really uh, mean. Nobody seemed super, um, I guess, oppressed or sad. Um, though I did find it weird because, yeah, I do think that the CCP is just, you know, not obviously the best thing ever. So... Now, do you think that because you went for school that they were giving you access to certain areas, but if you wanted to go to other areas, you might not be allowed to do that? 
like so, looking looking back on it i should say no i don't think so because the way the trip worked is basically we would wake up at 7 a.m and then we'd go on tours till about three just to like all like you know it's like if, if somebody came to the united states and they went to like dc and then like pittsburgh and stuff like that um so we spent a week in like beijing and then a week in shanghai and or a week and a half sorry in both and then um after 3 p.m because we were like 18 or 19 some of us like they literally just allowed us to go wherever we wanted so there'd be times where we would just we'd walk like two or three hours away from our hotel or like take a train to like a completely different city for the the entire day um so there were like there were no restrictions on what parts of china like we had access to that's interesting um my next question here uh for in response to uh, your trip to china this could all uh feel free to chime in connor shannon john on europeans also this could very well be my projecting but my first impression is that you mentioned this was like back in 2017 is that correct um it was the summer of 2018 summer of 2018 thank you um mm -hmm. Is it possible that they could have gotten more authoritarian between then and now? And then the second part of that question, is it possible that the citizens could have been just afraid to speak out? Because uh, one of the many stories I've heard is people disappearing for speaking out against the CCP in China. Um, I mean, is it a possible, is it factual it I mean, goes I think through that's... a lot of avenues. Uh, go on. No, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that actually could entirely be a possibility. I mean, I didn't form like a solid relationship with anybody while I was there, so maybe they thought, you know, like, why would I disclose my personal feelings about the government to this, you know, random American when it could potentially cost, you know, put my family in danger. Um, that's definitely for sure. And I'm not really sure, um, about the authoritarian part. I mean, like this is back before, like, you know, this is bring up a whole other can of worms for like Hong Kong takeover and stuff like that. So, um, Pre -COVID. maybe it was, yeah, definitely yeah, right before COVID. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, they definitely had the opportunities since I've been to become a lot more authoritarian. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, too, though, is you were in pretty high compliance areas and the people there are were under the social credit system still. So those could have also played parts of why you saw or didn't hear or see what is happening. Yeah, that's a very good point. Shen, I know you know a lot of about Chinese history, and uh, you even mentioned that you're more of a stabilist and a little bit of a contrarian to our opinions. Uh, what is your take so far on the what we're discussing? Like, do you think it's a good thing that people are scared of uh, talking bad about the government? I might be a twist in my words here and like putting putting you on the spot, so I do apologize. But what's your opinions on that? Uh, just in general, like that. Uh technically a contrarian point to what Seamus said earlier. Uh, historically, China has been the center of the world uh, from around 2000 BC to around 1880. They were the center of the world with, uh, especially 
via both technology, trade, and uh, their economic power. And they still are. And I do not believe that they wish to be a regional power. I think they want to return to their original place in society. Well, uh, in the world. As the one and only uh, superpower. Now, along the side of the, you know, the social credit system, as well as the... Uh, as far as like the social credit system and the way by which, uh, you know, people disappear. I've heard those stories as well. Uh, but evidence-wise, that only tends to happen. Okay, I'll, my apologies. No problem. That only tends to happen if it's something uh, protest-worthy. Like, for example, if you go directly against the... <laughs> my apologies. I have a, uh, a, a hacking cough, I do apologize. A, unless they have like a protest that they're doing against the government directly. That is public. Private protest, like if you send in a letter, from what I've heard, tends to be fine. It's only public protest that's the problem. You mean like Tiananmen Square? Yes. But that was, it wasn't in, uh, in the 1800s, the protest against Western expansion and trade? Or am I remembering something improperly? That sounds right, but I'm not 100% sure. I know the Chinese and the Japanese around that time, the 1700s through 1800s, were protesting um, the major influence that the Western powers had over their economies. Um, I don't remember these specific dates, but I do know both of those culture groups did um, want to minimize, if not permanently delete, uh, Western influence on their economies. And a quick interjection, uh, just from a quick Google search and like first source here, uh, Tiananmen Square happened in 1989. Right, but it was a public protest. Yeah. yeah. But I do actually I agree. I do agree with Shinto on the fact that um, that China wants to uh, be number one, especially too when you think when Nixon opened up China to the West, Chairman Mao, if I remember correctly, was still running the country. I could be wrong, but if my history serves, my understanding of history serves, Chairman Mao was still running China at that time. Another reason why, or a reason why Nixon kind of, you know, extended the olive branch to China was because at that point in time, um, China and Russia were the, or the USSR, were the, were the two large communist powers in the world. The United States obviously did not want those powers to be present. Um, but then around that time, I, I believe it was in the 60s, um, the Russian or the Soviets and the Chinese had a kind of like a falling out as friends. And then the, uh, Nixon saw that as an opportunity to, you know, kind of sway one of them onto the United States side, which is why he went over there and opened their economy to the rest of the world. I, I agree with that. I think, too, and this is personal opinion and completely subjective, but... I think Nixon and most 
political people, both on both sides of the party, believe that China, because they weren't technologically advanced as everyone else, for the most part, that they could come in there and have sway and control and make China do what they wanted to do. And that's not just the U.S., but I'm pretty sure the U.S. was the bigger perpetrator of that. And so they thought they could basically pull some sort of shenanigans with uh, over their head and kind of control things, and that just didn't work out that way. Sort of backfired that was, on us. That was the same thing that the Soviet Union thought. And the Mao was communist, but he was like a moderate communist. Uh, he actually was both a capitalist and a socialist in that way. Right, he just killed a bunch of people, though. Okay, now... But I agree what like, he said. Xi Jinping is, is the same. He, he's the same thing. It's a, it's a communist country with a capitalistic... Because he understands that capitalism works. But you need an authoritarian state. So I do, I do agree with you, like with what you're getting at, Shinto. So I'm not disagreeing. It, from what we've been discussing with how Nixon uh, opened up China in the way that he did, versus what's going on now with like Biden and my personal take on basically the whole America, Russia. China is that I feel like out of Russia and China the biggest threat is China but yet the Biden administration along with uh, many other politicians on both sides of the aisle seem to be pushing Russia away from us and when I feel like we should have been trying to ally with them sort of like what Nixon did with China in hopes of swaying that influence so what are your takes on uh, like that current situation where Russia is on the verge of invading Ukraine, China is on the verge of Taiwan? How is that like the similarities and differences between now and Nixon? Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on that? Well, gee, where do I even begin with this one? <laughs> it's a big one. Oh, God. Um, well... I'm going to say one of the big things that we're seeing right now with, um, with as, as we're seeing right now, the large push to looking at Russia as a main enemy, besides China, is money talks. A lot of, a lot of politicians around the world, um, you know, they, they go do a, a meeting with this, uh, just to say Company A. And company A will say, hey, this is what we want to do. Um, let's just make a deal and keep this off the books. Let's also do another side deal under the table. I slip you, let's just say $40 million and you ensure that what I want actually happens. So that's, I mean, we can't really track that because a lot of it is under the table. It's off the records, but economy, the, the Chinese economy has been booming. And we know politicians from around the world do have ties. They have bank accounts tied to Chinese to Chinese banks. So that's kind of where I'm theorizing. 
at when it comes to a large look at when it comes to Russia being our main enemy as opposed to China. Um, I do believe that Russia should have been more of an ally to us. Um, the main reason why Russia is as prominent as it is was because it, it was the main aspect of the USSR, which was our main opponent for half a, for half a century. And they kind of had a crumbling economy for about 20, 25 years. They discovered large oil reserves on their inside their borders. They started exporting to Europe. Um, so I, and, and all Russia really, all Putin in Russia wants to do is kind of just unite their whole Soviet sphere again, not necessarily annex the countries, but kind of have those countries under their influence. If you want to do that, that's fine. I mean, United States, obviously we have our own regional backyard, if you want to say that. We have the Caribbean, we have Canada and Mexico in, in kind of like our sphere of influence. So China pushing a more of a globalist type thing will, let's just say Russia invades Ukraine, China invades Taiwan, they both get what they want. The Chinese aren't gonna stop right there. They're gonna, they're gonna continue to expand. Uh, Russia, I personally believe that they just want their own regional area when China eventually gets to the point where they're getting into Russia's business, Russia's going to be looking for allies because I don't, the, the Russians aren't going to want to face a large opponent alone. So I believe we should be teaming up in a sense with Russia to kind of quell China and their escapades, whatever they're doing, if, if we want to do that. I mean, that's, that's kind of my opinion. People can disagree with me, agree with me all they want. That's on them. So That does actually uh, bring up an interesting perspective. And I'm going to pose this question to Gunga. It's a big one. <laughs> um, oh God. After uh, what was uh, stated by Connor, do you think it's possible that China could be using the American politicians in a way to combat Russia? Knowing that after uh, Taiwan, Russia is quote unquote their next big target. Could I ask you to clarify on what you mean by using the politicians in America? Well, uh, like how uh, Connor mentioned, uh, there's probably, we don't have any evidence of that, and I don't will ever find evidence of that, but there's <laughs> probably a lot of hidden dirty money going on with. Uh, Chinese accounts and just overall the money corrupts. So do you think it's possible that China is influencing politicians here in the United States to portray Russia as an enemy? So that way after if or when, depending on your opinion, they claim Taiwan, Russia would be their next big target because they're basically in the same area. I think, um, at least in my opinion, I agree entirely kind of with Connor in the sense that I think right now um, the smartest thing to do would be to kind of ally up with Russia. Uh, not, I don't know, uh, 
not really sure if we should be doing any interfering with what they've got going on right now. But, you know, if eventually they do capture Ukraine, and like he was saying, if China does end up capturing Taiwan, um, I think China is going to want more eventually. And if there truly is some uh, dirty money going around in the sense that um, they're trying to portray Russia as the actual issue, um, when in my opinion, it's China, um, I think I, I would I would hope that uh, the majority of American people might might be able to see that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I definitely think it's a possibility. I mean, we know that a lot of dirty stuff happens in politics. If it were all nice and dandy, um, none of the things, you know, happening right now would be happening, you know, especially, you know, Russia with Ukraine, China with Taiwan, if everything was just uh, perfect, um, everybody would just be content and happy with what they have. But yeah. Awesome. Uh, Shin, I'm going to pose the same question to you and then... I'll let uh, John state his opinion on that. Do you think it's a possibility that China is playing like 4 or 5D chess where they have a plan of Taiwan, use America to fight Russia, then using that conflict to then take over Russia? And do you think China is using our politicians to do that? What are your opinions on that? Do you think I'm just a conspiracy theory or, or a conspiracy theorist or do you think it's possible? I completely disagree. Uh, just in general, uh, China enjoys a more nuanced approach. Uh, look at the influence that they're pushing in uh, Eastern and Southern Africa. Uh, they're literally funneling money uh, to quote-unquote industrialize the area. But it's not something that the world tends to even talk about, uh, especially like on CNN or Fox News. Uh, and the reason why uh, Russia's the enemy is because they're seen as being aggressive. So, being an ally of Russia against China would technically be a good idea. But the way that could be facilitated, especially in the minds of the American and European people, it's an impossibility. At least that's my opinion. That's fair, and you do bring up a point that we're probably going to talk about in a little bit about uh, China's influences in Africa. But yeah, um, John, uh, I'll hand the reins over to you on that topic then. Uh, do you think it's possible that China is playing four, five, sixty chess and manipulating both Russia and the U.S.? Well, for the most part, China's fairly open with what they want to do. They want to build the giant road, right? And like Shinto was saying, they are funneling money to all these different countries, and it's not free money. They're asking for something in return. We don't know what it is, but that's clearly, it's clearly not free money. And then with the whole Russia thing, and, you know, the only people that seem to be worried about it are NATO countries. But the folks that are there on the ground, at least from what I've seen, and I could be wrong, they're they're not they're not worried about it. Um, it's an interesting area to keep an eye on because that's a nice section of land where China could build a nice highway straight to Russia for easy access and transportation of goods. I think in the end. 
China has a more stronger and robust army than Russia does. And economically, I don't know that Russia has fully recovered since the fall of the USSR. Especially during the 80s when they spent all that money trying to one-up America. So, um, and then the way I see it is that most Americans don't want to, they don't want to go to war. Because it's not the politicians' kids that are going to have to go halfway across the world to fight and die. And don't get me wrong, like, Van, you know this probably better than anybody. Like, I fully support the men and women in the service. I love them. The town, you know, like, I would have joined up if I if, if they would have allowed me to. <clears throat> uh, that being said, normal, everyday Americans, they don't, they don't want to be, uh, they don't want to go to war. They don't want to send their kids to war. I don't know that teaming up with Russia would make any difference because Russia's going to do what Russia's going to do. And at least considering the current administration in the United States, they we would get walked all over. Every I mean, they got Nord Stream 2 pipeline in. Instead of sell, selling, you know, buying product from us in the European nations, now Russia has a foothold on all that. And maybe that's totally something aside from Russia. So I think China, they have obviously have a plan. They have ideas. They know what they're going to do. I think they're kind of using Russia. But I also think the media are building up a fear monger in these NATO countries as well, for what that's worth. I don't know if that answers the question, but that's my feeling on all of this. Alrighty. It definitely seems like there is about two, maybe three different perspectives on that situation. Um, let's uh, wrap up this particular topic of like Russia and Ukraine and China and Taiwan with this particular question. And uh, definitely feel free to elaborate as to why you think your answer would be better than the other. Do you think it would, if one of them were to happen, but it would stop the other from happening. Would you rather have Russia invade Ukraine or China invade Taiwan? Like which conflict would you say if the United States need to step in? Not saying we should, but if we needed to, which one would you be more willing to step in? Uh, if that made sense. Uh, John, let's start off with you this time. You're basically giving an absolute, right? Yeah, basically. I'll even throw in a third option saying it's okay if both of them happen. Like, we shouldn't be the world police, which in my personal opinion, I don't think we should be. However, China and Taiwan, in my personal opinion, <laughs> we need to step in because Taiwan, from the research I've done, the Taiwanese people do not want to be under the CCP. But uh, go on, John. Yeah, no, I I fully agree with that opinion. Um, the president, um, man, I'm already blanking. That's terrible. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, I'm sorry. I had a, a a major brain fart. But uh, Taiwan would be my choice to defend, especially because you know when all the major countries 
don't care about them. To me, that says that they're the people that probably could use the help and would be most grateful for the help over um, over anybody else. And then um, the whole Russia, Russia situation, their president has already said that they are okay, they've got it under control, and they're not worried. So that's their leader saying, I've got this. If I need help, I'll let you know. I'm good with that. Alrighty. Uh, what about your take, Shen? It might be also a loaded question, and feel free to call me out if it is, but would you rather have Russia invade Ukraine, China invade Taiwan, or just America to just stay out of it altogether? I would prefer to allow the Ukraine to be taken over. The rationale for that is, well, uh, Given the uh, cultural familiarity between the two parties, there are a lot of people who trust Russia over their own government in Ukraine. While Taiwan, uh, even though they technically uh, were recently, uh, culturally Chinese, they are distinct. Uh, nothing to do with like, the military aspect or like, dealing with a, the influence that they could be gaining from taking it or not taking it. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely uh, remember hearing somebody say that Taiwan was, or, or I should say, is what China used to be. So that's just another thing to consider. Uh, Ganga, what about your stance on that? Do you prefer defending, if you were given an option, defend Ukraine, defend Taiwan, or no world police um personally like if i'm going to be 100% honest with you guys um i feel as though i personally do not have uh have not done enough or i guess do not have enough background uh personally to say an opinion i don't want to say i don't want to say stuff where you know i just come across of come across as being uh you know, just saying things to say them. Um, I just, I don't know. In, in my personal opinion, I don't really, I don't really see the need for uh, either country to invade uh, another country. But um, maybe that's just because of my lack of background knowledge. Um, but yeah, I just don't want to say anything else besides that, simply because I don't want to, I don't want to come across and say something that, um, after doing some research or after having gained a little bit more background knowledge on the subject, I regret saying. That is perfectly okay, because not everybody is an expert in every situation, and who knows, maybe after the tonight's episode, you might consider something different. You might hear something that one of us says and you might do research on it and i'm talking not just to you gunga but even to our audience that may sway your opinion one way or the other and um, right yeah real quick by the way gunga's answer is completely and a totally rational um response i don't know is a completely acceptable response in a conversation or even a debate because um, if you don't, if, if, like you were saying, you might make yourself look bad or say something that you didn't know anything about. It makes you look better. And 
I wish more people would do that in conversation instead of trying to act like, oh, I know everything. Because I don't know everything about this uh, topic either. So hopefully I get to answer the same way. But I just want to say, I really like that answer. I wish more people would have that answer to well, No, and honestly, I was, I was going to do a little bit more research before the podcast, but then I thought I should probably just go in um, with the knowledge that I already have on it because, you know, if by chance, you know, new, news nowadays, especially news websites, can sometimes be biased, especially towards one side or another. So I didn't want to accidentally go on one uh, one website that said one thing and then, you know, present my opinion on something like that. So, oh yeah. And that's perfectly understandable. I don't think like for this question, all of us are saying our opinions, but that's based off of what we have heard, what we have no, uh, known. And we could all be very well wrong because we don't actually live there. We don't speak their language. We're not in the government. Governments are notorious for keeping secrets. <laughs> so th that's 100% perfect uh, response to that. Uh, with that being said, Mr. Military Man, I have a feeling you have some strong opinions on Russia and Ukraine versus Chinese, China and Taiwan. Uh, what are Same question. Which one would you prefer or do you prefer that we just say, no, we need to mind our own business they do them basically so from an economic and, and also don't say anything that'll get you in trouble with your superior superiors if that is an issue <laughs> i forgot oh, to mention that <laughs> the fbi is already tracking me as we speak so you're welcome when they start tracking you guys that was a joke that was a joke so from a military or economic perspective I would much rather have, and it's probably gonna happen anyways, Russia invade Ukraine and annex, if not completely annex all of Ukraine, as opposed to China doing the same thing to Taiwan. Ukraine's economy is, for the most part, linked to Russia, with if Russia, just completely cut their ties off to Ukraine. Ukraine would be a backwater country quicker than you can add two plus two. So the the Ukrainian people they 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 rely on Russia, and I don't blame the Russians for wanting to kind of relive the glory days of the Russian Empire or the USSR. I, I do not blame them one bit. China, on the other hand they have the influence to completely if they if they really wanted to they could completely cut off communication with the rest of the world and they would do just fine russia can't and when going back a little bit to august this past august in 2021 when we had by we, I mean the United States, when we evacuated Afghanistan, who was the first country to formalize deals and move in their companies into Afghanistan to help bolster their economy? It was China, the CCP. And the reason why is because Afghanistan, and this has been going on for thousands of years, Afghanistan has been home to many, many rare minerals. Um, 
going back to the Bronze Age, if you are if you are fortunate enough to have jewelry from back then, and if you have a blue gem in there called La- uh, I forget what's called. It begins with an L. Lapis lazuli or something like that. Bingo. That's it. That comes directly from Afghanistan. I want to say Afghanistan has like close to 90, 95% of the world's supply of it. So, and that was a very, very valuable commodity to have back then. Nowadays, Afghanistan still has those same minerals deep inside the mountains. And there's a, that's another, that's why the United States was there. A reason why the United States was there so long because we had companies digging into their mountains, giving the Afghanistan people money, business, what have you. Well, now we're gone. Chinese are stepping right in and doing it for themselves. Taiwan has a lot of minerals, a lot of rare earth minerals that we find in today's technology. Um, I'm pretty sure we are all familiar with um, computer technology becoming more expensive over the past couple of years. I personally have been looking into building my own upgradable PC as years go by, but it's becoming more and more expensive because China is cutting off trade with the rest of the world to Taiwan using their own influence. That's why you're not seeing Taiwan doing trade deals in the Caribbean, South America, Africa, where there's a lot of these developing or just barely developed countries. China's taking all that real estate and telling them, look, we're going to give you these like incentives to, you know, we're going to build you all these roads. We're going to give you 4G internet and all that kind of stuff. But in order to do that, you need to completely cut off all communication and all ties to Taiwan because China wants Taiwan. China's been one in Taiwan for like, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast for over 50 years. And that's one of their main initial goals. Um, and, and this, and this, Additionally, not initially, additionally, if if China were to invade Taiwan and the United States does not step in whatsoever, I know for a fact um, the South Korean and the Japanese governments would look at that in a very, very negative view. Same thing with the Filipinos and the rest of Southern Asia, because that puts them in direct conflict with the South China Sea, territorial disputes that are currently going on even to this day. So, Russia. Getting back to the getting back to the question. Russia is kind of just already going back into their sphere of influence that they've ha- that they've had for hundreds of years. China is doing that the same way, but they are also pretty much forcing other countries to do what they want all over the world, and what's what's making china stop at one island when they can just completely go to another island or to another country so that's kind of my point of view on that that's a fair point uh once again i would like to uh or even if i didn't say it the first time definitely point out that uh for anybody who might view these points a little differently like they prefer ukraine over taiwan it's very possible something could happen between now and next year or sometime in the future that our opinions can shift. Uh, That's another thing that 
we at this particular podcast hope to uh, remind everybody it's okay for opinions to shift. It's okay to be wrong. And what we say here on the podcast or right on this particular question could very well change tomorrow. <laughs> and I think a, a lot of us, like all of us can agree that with were our opinions stated from that question are from our current knowledge about said topics. Um, would you all agree with that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I have to agree with that completely. Yeah, yes. things things change at a moment notice. Awesome. Uh, with that being said, we're going to shift the topic. Uh, we're still going to continue with Taiwan. However, I would like to uh, also include Hong Kong. And we're going to sort of like shift Russia and Ukraine to the sideline here. So uh, what have you all heard about like the situation with Hong Kong? I want to see if there's like if all of us have heard similar things or if it's like, oh, Hong Kong is perfectly fine. There were no riots, no protests, or maybe there were riots, there were protests, just not as bad. What have you all heard about like the whole situation with China and Hong Kong? Uh, let's go with John. That China lied in regards to Hong Kong. They said they weren't going to do what they did, and of course they did what they did. Once the French, I believe it was the French, left completely. Uh, the British. Uh, the British. Sorry, my bad. Thank you, uh, Shinto. I appreciate that correction. It's been a little. It's been a little while. Otherwise, the from my, you know, the the Chinese view that is their land, and they deserve it. They want it. Um, otherwise. It's it's been so long since I thought about that particular situation. Since a lot of other things have happened since then, um, so to be honest, I don't have a whole lot really to go on. I just uh, remembering some of the bullet points of that time, and then the China guy saying that China's a butthole, that kind of stuff, um, and seeing some of the images that got out or videos that got out before it was clamped down. So essentially uh, what you're describing is that China was very harsh to the Hong Kong citizens and uh, pretty brutal at points. Is that a correct statement or did you s see something else from media in general? Well, I mean, besides the fact that when the college students were protesting that the cops were beating the ever-living crap out of them, and then the you know Chinese military, the uh, basically having their entire government gutted while in session, arrested by the police, by the military, and then replaced without a democratic vote, which is what it, they had over there, if I remember correctly, at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, China said they weren't going to do it, and they did it because that's what they do. Okay, uh, Ganga, what have you heard about in regards to China, Hong Kong? Uh, do you agree with John's statements? Do you disagree? Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, maybe I'm just not as, uh, maybe I haven't heard, I guess, as, as many things as John has. I just, I all I've heard about the situation um, from back when it was kind of more more prevalent and, you know, like 
basically on every TV station that you would flip to is that, you know, basically they had, I guess, a a contract, I guess would be the word, or like some, some document basically saying that in, you know, X amount of years, um, you know, the land was to return to China and China could essentially, or was its ruler basically in X amount of years. Um, and that, you know, I'm not sure about the, uh, I'm sure it happened by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm not throwing any shadow of doubt on John's statement. I just hadn't, hadn't heard it, um, about, uh, China saying that they weren't going to do that. Um, but I mean, also in the end and again this might be because i don't have a a, you know a a lot of super prior knowledge to it but i mean i i don't want to say it was justified especially the way they went about it with with all all the all the videos i've seen of how how they were taking it back especially with the protests in hong kong and, and whatnot but um I would say that, like, if it's if it's true that you know, like, a legal document was signed and and it did say, you know, hey, after this amount of years, even if it was some long number that you know we're we're taking back this land that was ours, then um, or or sorry, we're just taking over this land and ruling it, um, then maybe it was it was it was like justified like i guess i i I should say that um it could be a justifiable action but not an ethically correct action i get that yeah and uh not also not like saying john light or anything but there because i've heard a lot of the same things that he mentioned there could very it's very well possible that there's a media barrier between the united states and china that's manipulating it and makes us think that this happened when it didn't however from the videos that i personally have seen i my personal opinion it happened (laughs) um connor by the by the way real quick to answer um dunga's question it was a 50 years after the handover ah okay thank you and uh, that was a declaration signed in 1984 well I I guess uh sorry like before, before I just have an, another quick question so was it was it then like I know China said you know we're not going to do this but I guess at at any point like was the document to your knowledge like pretty clear on the grounds that in 50 years like this will be our land essentially and we will have rule over it uh, my understanding of of it, and I actually I pulled up at least the name of it, so that way if anyone wanted to research it, they could. It's called the Sino-British Joint Declaration that was signed in 1984. Uh, basically, it to give a quick rundown, stipulates that Hong Kong would retain its high degree of autonomy, rights, and freedoms for 50 years after the handover. Obviously... There's probably some more like minutia in the paperwork, but that's the gist of the agreement. Real quick, uh, before we get into Connor's opinion on that particular subject, it hasn't been 50 years, has it? Just doing quick math, I think we're closing in on it, but 1984, 1994, 2004, 2014, 2020. 
24. If it was in 19, if it was in 1984, um, that means in in two years it'll be 40 years. But when did the uh, British give the up? The British their gave right? back in 1997. 19 when? 1997. Thank you, Shinto. Mm. Huh. So so we're a little short 50 years. Well, then I would like to, like, with this newfound knowledge, I will definitely retract my opinion on it being justified if, if, it's, if, it, if it's this early. Yeah, I mean, that's perfectly okay. And once again, to all our audience, if this is something that intrigues you and you want to fact check us, please do. We're not the be all, end all. We're, we're humans too. We're, we can be just as right as wrong as a... Uh, next door neighbor bob <laughs> um but with that being said uh connor from the military perspective have you heard about this uh, agreement and what are your stances on hong kong do you think uh china had a right to do what they did if they even did anything uh your call so from a military perspective i was never officially briefed or taught any of this history. Uh, I've done my own research on the side. Um, pretty much back in 1898, after, I want to say, I think, I believe it was called the Second British Sino Opium War or whatever, uh, that's when the British and the Chinese had the agreement that British were pretty much loaning Hong Kong and in the, the Hong Kong area for a total of 99 years. That's when in 1997, there was going to be a hard transfer of power from uh, Britain or the UK to China. But as John alluded to earlier, 1984, uh, that agreement took place, which stipulated that 50 years from the from the handover that was going to happen in 1997, there was going to be 50 years of a soft or like a slow transfer of power with uh, British and Chinese uh, governments working together to pretty much slowly transfer Hong Kong from a British protectorate or territory to full Chinese land. Um, while if, still maintaining their independence for that period, correct? Yes and no. It's like a... So the, the best thing I can look at it is, from an American point of view, um, when the United States was expanding west with Manifest Destiny, there was a time of period when the United States and Britain both claimed the Pacific Northwest. And it was under joint ownership. I mean, granted, how quickly could we get over there from, from the East Coast or from Britain? A long freaking time. But they both had joint um, ownership, and they both worked together when it comes to territorial disputes, when it comes to, to settlers dealing with local Native Americans, what, and what have you. That was kind of what I'm guessing was the intent that both China and and Britain were both going to just be working together to slowly do, do the transfer of power. Um, how much handling each country has had in the handling of transfer of power, I don't know. 
I'm guessing Britain hasn't had too much authority in that. I guess uh, just from what we've seen in the past few years. Um, I do know, I think it was like, and you guys may know this as well. I want to say it's about maybe a month or two ago, the last quote unquote free newspaper or news agency in Hong Kong was raided by Chinese um, police or paramilitary individuals and arrested all of the editors and chief executives of that company and shut down the pretty much the last free press in Hong Kong. Um, I have seen videos from Marines who have who were in Hong Kong of the protests that were happening. So I do know, I do know that the protests were happening. I wasn't there, but I do know people who were there. Um, obviously, the people from Hong Kong didn't want the immediate rule of the Chinese, um, but that's what happens when you, when you have territorial disputes. You can't always get your way, and things like this happen. No one is ever going to be happy on both sides. So, but like I said, from going back to earlier, from a military perspective with Hong Kong, there's really not a whole lot that I can think of off the top of my head. And it may come up later on in the podcast or a couple of days from now, what have you. And if you guys know anything that I'm not talking about right now, please feel free to let me know. Um, but that's pretty much all I've heard and know about Hong Kong in the past few years. Awesome. Thank you. Now, Shin, uh, I saved you uh, for last on this one because uh, you mentioned that you're a uh, stableist in this case. Do you think, assuming that like what we've been saying with the Hong Kong protests, which uh, for the most part I think happened, or I'm pretty sure happened, um, do you think they had the right to protest? Because uh, my understanding of like being a stableist you, correct me if I'm wrong, want peace above all else. Do you think uh, the Hong people of Hong Kong had the right to protest in this particular case? Or do you think China was the one at fault and caused like violence and whatnot? Like, your take on this one is uh, really interesting to me. So uh, feel free to go ham on it. <laughs> Uh, something to note involving the Hong Kong protest, technically, uh, at least as the Sino-British agreement pretty much says, is that they would be economically the same and governmentally they would remain the same. But the Chinese government would have dominion as is their right. Now, at least that's, that's from my understanding of the document. Like a territory? Yeah. No, no, uh, more like as an aid owned, let's say in the United States, like a state versus a territory. Something like Puerto Rico, maybe? I'm just trying no, to find it. Kind of like uh, California, like California. So basically... It would, it would not be... act as a territory whatsoever. So it would be like a weird democratic state in a communist country is basically a, what you might be getting at. Is that correct? Sort of. Uh, it, it doesn't pretty much say that you remain the same government, just that your government would not be changed. So, you know, like the weird legal uh, reckoning that could, that could come out of that. I think I... Because I think it it's kind of like 
Go on. Uh, and they have the they had the right as the government of the nation to mandate uh, Hong Kong to you know follow their rules. Uh, and one of the main things that transpired was that the government refused to uh, accommodate those mandates, which is a bit iffy on whether or not uh, it was within the CCP's the right to uh, forcefully make them push those mandates. So going along with your question, because I actually wanted to answer what you said before as well, I do apologize. No, go for it. Uh, this is an open discussion, so if somebody wants to backtrack, that's perfectly okay. Now, following the question you just asked, just in general, I do not believe uh, it, it necessarily assisted uh, what they want to do. Uh, as a stabilist, I prefer slow change versus quick and uh, repetitious change. And what they did was effectively make sure they were clamped down on, causing what they want to not actually be uh, gotten whatsoever. Because they, they were supposed to sit and remain economically isolated, well, isolated from the rest of China, effectively. And politically, that's a bit more awkward. They, that could change at any moment. That now to... Uh, yeah. Now for an actual opinion, <laughs> uh... I, I'd say they had the, not necessarily the right, but they were in the right to protest. Do I believe they should have done it? No. I'm completely against the Hong Kong protest. But from the way it sounds, uh, ethically speaking, they, you agree that they had the right, you just, you're against protests and riots in general. It's not specifically right. just Hong Kong. Okay, Correct. I get that. I get that. Yeah, um, it's tricky because so into I have a, uh, I, I kind of have a question on that. So, what you're pretty much saying is that you are against the common person from speaking their opinion if they don't like something, whether it be uh, going against the state, going up against uh, a town council, if. Like, are you against someone voicing their opinion that they don't like something? Is, is that kind of what you're saying? I guess I should probably readdress what I said a little bit. Uh, no, uh, staying your opinion is technically fine, but uh, acting uh, in a certain way that destabilizes your area or in general society is not something I enjoy. I'm a big fan of slow change versus quick and rapidious change, as I said before. Uh, and rioting or protesting, which technically what the Hong Kong would have been, was a riot uh, after the CCP came into uh, conflict, is what I'm against. But you could so, also make the argument that you're against the CCP doing what they did because it was a rapid change. Yes. It's very one of one thing and one of the other. 
Yeah, like both are bad. Um, it sounded like you had more questions, Connor. Uh, go on. Yeah, um, just a little bit of a time context for for you. How long is a long um, period of change as opposed to a quick kind of sudden change of power? That way, like we kind of have an understanding of what you're getting at. How I think of things is like, for example, a a long uh, a long time, depending on like the, the type of policy, like if it's an economic policy versus a like a social policy. Like 10, 12 years would be a long time uh, versus a short for piteous one being within a one or two year period. For like a social change, since, you know, that's distinctly different. I prefer for, let's say like the, this is a very erratic, uh, not necessarily erratic, exaggerative uh, statement, I guess. But like, for example, the civil rights movement, which I believe took place around the time period, about five years. I prefer for that type of thing to take uh, around 20 to 30 instead, while society got used to the change. So, from my understanding, basically what you're saying is, uh, one, every issue at hand has a different time frame that would be considered like a long time frame. And two, that the length of the time would directly depend on how unstable it would make society regarding that topic. Is that correct? Am I on the same track? So it's like really hard to, okay, pretty much. So it's really hard to like nail down particular time frames for that sort of thing. Uh, did that answer your question, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of gauging like a ballpark in a sense answer. Like I'm not, I wasn't looking for, it needs to be specifically 12 years, 38 minutes and two seconds for long for this specific thing to change. So I, I, I understand things aren't, the world doesn't work that way. So I was just, I was just kind of looking for, for ballpark in a way answers. It's yeah. also good to have a baseline so that way we can better understand your point of view. It's definitely like severity is definitely the uh, uh, meter here. So, uh, I'm actually going to use this also to shift into topic, unless if Gunga, you have anything to say about this before I bring in this example. No, you're good. Go ahead. Alrighty. So it's basically, uh, what are, what is your stance on how the U S basically shut everything down in a, in my personal opinion, a very short amount of time due to COVID? Are you, for that, do you think it was called for? Or do you think um, it should have taken longer? We should have analyzed COVID. And I'm going to shift that conversation to eventually how China handled COVID and your guys' opinions on China and COVID. But for now, uh, Shin, uh, what are your stances on that? From a general standpoint, uh, pandemic-like situ situations require more immediate uh, uh, action. And I disagree that it was a complete shutdown. There should have been a lot more that they should have done. 
uh, or clamp down on in the United States. Okay, so uh, you think there should have been more? Much more. Uh, the allowance of, for example, uh, a lot of unnecessary businesses being open, uh, making sure that a more of an authoritarian uh, take on the issue, where the police were actually directly involved uh, or in like mandating what needed to be mandated. Okay, I can understand that. Um, if uh, anybody has any uh, comments in regards to Shin's uh, response to that, uh, feel free. However, uh, avoid going on a huge tangent about COVID in the U.S. because we're about to shift to COVID in China and the theories uh, around uh, China being responsible for COVID. Uh, Gunga, go. I actually almost have a... Not not like a directly opposite opinion, um, but so I agree, like, there's a pandemic um, of which we hadn't seen before. So I think I think somewhat of a shutdown was appropriate. Um, but at, at least in my personal opinion, once we kind of figured out what it was, um, especially with these variants that are um, becoming weaker, but just spreading faster, uh, I don't I don't really see there was a see. Uh, I don't really see how there's a need to get uh, police involved. Um, I think once we figured out like, okay, you know, unless you're either um, very old or have underlying health conditions, uh, if you get a vaccine, which was also pushed out kind of quickly, but that's a whole nother uh, topic. But you know, like if you, if you get either vaccinated or just kind of, you know, stay at home and don't, don't, don't be dumb and throw like a, a rager every day of the week, um and just handle yourself like professionally like most humans should i think if you put the united states in too much of an authoritarian position um people would go crazy i mean you saw what already happened with just as little as they did in the sense that you know you go to walmart and there are people hoarding toilet paper and hand sanitizer i think if you lock down uh any 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 more than that um there are definitely going to be some some more, uh, I guess, rebounds or more uh, aggressive behavior than anything. Repercussions. Yeah, repercussions. That's the word. Thank you. Uh, Connor or John, is there uh, anything you want to say in regards to that? Or are we ready to shift to probably the, if you ask YouTube and the other big techs, Probably the most controversial and out of all the topics we're going to discuss today, probably the one that would get us shut down right off the bat. Um, do either of you would uh, have any other comments? So I'm just going to say that I think this should be COVID in itself should be more of another podcast topic. Oh, yeah. All on its own. Oh, yeah. I was actually I'm... considering uh, even bringing up COVID in this episode, but I do want to address how China handled COVID, but I completely agree with you. COVID is a topic that deserves its own episode. I, mean, I personally, I can go on for at least a good 20 minutes talking about the effect and my opinion on what COVID has done to the planet. Um, so that's why I'm kind of just throwing it out there right now. I would like to be here uh, for that discussion whenever that happens. Um, so look forward to hearing me when that does. I will keep you posted on that. 
Um, as of this, well, I'm going to keep all the logistics for episode zero. <laughs> um, with that being said, uh, John, did you have anything you want to respond to uh, that comment before we tackle China and COVID? Yeah, without getting too much into it, I think that you could, with the initial two weeks to slow the spread, I think at the time, and, and you, you, could, you could defend that to a degree, it's something that we don't know. We don't know what it is, we don't know what's going on. At the same time, I'm one of those people that somebody's trying to take away my freedom. Um, I kind of want to just give them the bird and tell them to have a nice day. And I also, I, and I, and I also think, as far as states go, I think the states, politicians at a, at a state and local level, you found out who the real men and women were, and you found out who were the sheep. And same goes on the uh, national stage, or the federal stage. And. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that without going for 20 or 30 minutes like Connor, which I agree with. I'm going to fully agree, and I would say that it which it shows just more, way more than just United States politicians. It, it, it kind of showed, for those individuals who were paying attention, politicians from all over the world and how, uh, and, and, and their responses, so... But yes, I'm gonna be agreeing with John as well. As well. Right. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I just wanted to keep it as minimal and easy as possible, so I figured I'd just stay with home. All right, and I appreciate that. It's a very heavy topic. With that being said, we are going to cover now the, as the mainstream media would like you to believe. At one point, uh, the conspiracy theory that COVID started in a Chinese Wuhan laboratory. My stance on that conspiracy theory, I believe it's 100% true. You can, I, I've seen, heard enough to believe that COVID was a manufactured virus coming from the Wuhan laboratory or lab. With that being said... I do not have opinion on if it was intentionally or unintentionally released. There is a chance that low ethics and low standards in China could have caused an accidental leak. With that being said, there's also a chance that they could have did it on purpose to take control of Hong Kong to put the uh, world in a situation where they're at right now. Uh, with that being said, this time, let's start with uh, Shen. What is your stance on the theory that COVID is a biological weapon created by China? That question, give me a second. No problem. <laughs> yeah, and for our listeners, just a heads up, Shen has been suffering from a pretty nasty cough recently. So if he ever goes silent like that, He's uh, showing us respect by not coughing on the podcast, so I greatly appreciate that. He's a real MVP there. Hey, Ben, make sure you check the messages, too. Roger. And real quick, okay. 
Oh, sorry, sorry, Shinto. No, 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 no. no you go, you go, Sapa. I was just gonna say, is this a? Do you think it's a biological weapon, or do you think it's a? It's a natural disease, or are we just focusing solely on uh, the biological weapon aspect of it? That I'm asking for clarification on the question. That's perfectly okay. Uh, COVID, in the sense that Ch China created it as a biological weapon, and if China used it on purpose or if it was a leak did that uh, clarify the question are we I'll let everyone ever else gonna, answer are we ever going to have a certain infowars host involved in this podcast because that would be spectacular that's all i'm gonna say one day one day connor one day i hope so <laughs> you know there's a story about mastodons <laughs> anyways uh back on topic um if it's okay we're actually gonna start with ganga get his opinion on this topic because i do think he needs to go uh fairly soon which is perfectly understandable it happens um your take on covid being created by china and regardless if it's uh intentionally or unintentionally released i'll say kind of uh going right down the middle of the road here and say that I think it was kind of both in the sense that I think it definitely was uh, created in China. Um, I will say that I think the intention might have been there to use it as a bioweapon in the future, um, but that they were just kind of uh, testing around with it and it accidentally got out earlier than originally expected. Um, which is why it's been, I mean, not not easy to combat. Like, I definitely don't want to um, say that this, like any of this has been easy, but I feel like comparable to what it could have been, um, that what got out uh, isn't nearly as serious as it could have been. Um, so yeah, basically all in all that, yes, it was a biological weapon, but in terms of how it was released, uh, this was an accidental uh release but you know in the future having ill intent that makes sense uh shen your response to uh, both the question and gunga's statement uh i would have to say uh given like the information that we had as it was uh coming out for example that uh i forget if it was a health official or biologist who was uh, silent for war uh, attempting to warn people that there was a new uh, illness being spread. I remember hearing about that. Going along those lines, I disagree with it being a bioweapon. Uh, unless that was something uh, the CCP did uh, intentionally to put off the idea that it was a bioweapon. But even if it was, it's a very lazy one. Uh, bioweapons are not necessarily meant to be able to mutate this quickly uh, unless it was made extremely sloppily and it's not potent enough to be used in that way as well I'm at least say, that's my opinion I'm gonna say I'm, I'm just kind of throwing my, my, my opinion out there right now because what you say kind of spoke to me a little bit about the whole fact that it's that you don't believe it is a bioweapon. I believe it is. Um, 
in the sense that if you look back at warfare throughout all of human history, did people, the one random person who somehow invented the bow and arrow, it has to be some person or a collective, collective individuals that who made the who made the first bow and arrow. Did you ever? Did they ever think that there's going to be some mechanism where you pull some metal trigger and it's going to cause a metal, a piece of metal to to be launched at an incredible speed out of a out of a stick? No, they weren't thinking about that. And in case anyone's wondering, I'm describing a very, very crude gun because that's how warfare evolves. It, warfare is always changing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that it was, it was both in the sense that if you look back at World War II with, um, with the Nazis and their scientists, scientists are naturally, they're, they're going to question things. They're going to want to, they want to know the answers to something. Um, I mean, we're discovering new things in space every single day. We're, we're discovering new animals and bugs all, all not saying every single day, but every single year we're, we're discovering new things. So scientists are naturally going to be pushing uh, the boundaries of what they can and cannot do. Um, the Nazis, if any of you uh, remember or right into it, they did a lot of tests on the human body. Uh, specifically twins they a lot of they would take twins and they would do pain tests where they would like take a sharp object and in a sense stab one twin and see if the other twin can feel it or if they were in any way telepathic twins are telepathic with each other um getting back to china i believe the chinese scientists at that institute or at that laboratory they were they were told they were probably told by the by the ccp of the government hey we need you to design this kind of a virus or a bacteria you name it just something that could do example a to a human body when when it is exposed um so the scientists probably doing their scientist stuff just uh discovered this COVID, um and designed it in a way and it and I do believe it was a leak in the sense that they weren't fully prepared for like a global infection. They, were, if anything, they were probably testing it on the local populations to see what it would do to a small population uh, with immune systems, and then just slowly go from there if they possibly could. Um, there's probably some scientists out there who is extremely excited that this is happening because they're some mad scientist who has the same plans. Um, so that's kind of where I'm, where I'm getting at with that is that things are always changing and there's, there's going to be way worse things in the future. Alrighty. Uh, John, your stance on both Shin, Ganga's, Connor's and the question uh, opinions on the subject. So, I mean, I honestly, don't believe it was only China. I believe the U.S. is partially to blame as well. Seeing some of the files that Project Veritas was able to retrieve, 
and a lot of the things that are going out. Obviously, taxpayer money funded this. Um, I believe it was started as a biological weapon, but it got out too early. I think this was in the early stages of testing and trying to build something way worse. And that was supposed to come out in a future date. I know that. I mean, everyone else has pretty much covered it, minus my two cents of I think America is just as much to blame. Folks like Anthony Fauci, as much as the CCP, uh, especially considering the area that they were at, it accidentally got out at, I think, a very early stage. I think if China's going to make a biological weapon like COVID, they're going to go through and they're going to test stuff like ivermectin and acetaminophen to make sure that it's not going to help against the virus. So, because I don't believe China is that lazy in, in regards to something like this, especially when you can't even do these tests or technically it's against the law in the United States to do so. But we all know the monkeys that escaped in Pennsylvania just recently. So we know how that movie ends. So that's kind of like where I'm at. I think America is just as to blame. I think um, warmongering Republicans and Democrats and follow the money, if that makes sense, the big companies. And uh, you can clearly see how people make out on this. And of course, uh, we're going to yes. go more into detail on uh, the COVID aspects if slash when we do a COVID episode. Um, somebody was about to say something. I heard a hiss. Oh, Seamus. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like I said earlier, money talks. Money yeah. always talks. All righty. We're going to shift the topic a little more. How... When it comes to China's response to COVID, uh, what did you all hear? Like, what stories did you hear coming out of China in regards to how they responded? Um, for an example, for me, I heard that they were literally not um, nailing people into their homes, preventing them from even leaving. Like, they nailed their doors shut. I have... No evidence to back that up besides videos I've seen that I assume came out of China during this period of time. Um, have you all heard anything in regards to that? Do you think this was propaganda? Do you think this, how China responded, uh, wasn't as bad as some media portrays it to be? Um, Connor, let's start with you. So when the world was first alerted to COVID back in, I believe it was like what, October or November 2019, um, I was in training um, for, for my current job at the Marine Corps. So I wasn't following it too much. I mean, I, I, I kind of heard about it here and there from the sites I would look at every single day. But I, I had other things on my plate that required more attention. So I didn't really look into it too much. I do know, or I do remember reading 
articles about how the Chinese government were, were building like makeshift hospitals in less than a week. So I know they were they were doing something at least, whether it was to kind of show the world, hey, we're at, we're doing something, or maybe it was a facade. Who knows? I mean, I'm not, I've never been to China. I, like I said, I wasn't paying too much attention then. Um, I do know around, I think, summer, some early summer of 2020, China completely stopped reporting their numbers of COVID cases to um, to the WHO. So there was a point in time where if you're watching uh, mainstream media, whether it was BBC, Fox News, um, CNN, any other global news networks out there that had, I mean, we all, I'm pretty sure we all, we've all seen, you know, the, the COVID death counter on the bottom of the, of the television screen. Um, whenever they would update numbers from around the world, China, for some reason, just stopped having new numbers. And that was because they just stopped reporting the numbers to, uh, to these world health organizations. And I kind of think that's a little messed up because I personally believe that the United States took the large brunt of the uh, of the COVID response, um, this was obviously more of a global thing that happened, and I, I kind of think it's kind of in a in a way you could say is a dick move to just not assist with the response to this and it and seeing as how it originated in their country, whether or not it was from someone eating a bat or someone getting exposed to a possible leak from from a science from a scientist or whatever um it originated it originated from them i was it's kind of kind of looked bad upon if like you make a mess and you just don't you don't you don't at least help clean it up so that's yeah that makes sense um john your response to connor and uh the whole what have you heard as to how China responded to COVID? Um, do you think they were over the top? I am assuming that you probably do, knowing uh, your background and uh, freedoms. Uh, do you think uh, they actually nailed people shut? Do you think um, they did far worse that we don't know about? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And Connor's response with... Uh, them just flat out stop reporting their numbers to who world health organization um well i think uh the i think the coronavirus was in the country a lot earlier than what was originally reported there are some doctors that in china that had mentioned that there's documentation uh, for it some of them going on american podcasts or defecting but as far as what I saw, um, first off, I don't have cable. I don't have uh, even uh, local TV. I haven't had any of that for almost 20 years. So I have to entirely look for my news in completely other areas, which means I got to do my due diligence. But um, yeah, I saw the Chinese welding doors and windows shut. Um, and in fact, they started doing that just a few weeks ago because the Olympics are coming up. Uh, so 
And they're also shipping people off to camps. I've seen videos of that. Busloads and busloads of people. And um, I, I, as far as um, Connor's answer, like, and I, I'm not saying he's wrong or anything. I have to go with like Project Veritas, who also broke a story of a CNN producer who said the only reason why we have the number, the death number up there, is because it gets views. So we try to pump that thing up as high as we can. And when you have places like Utah, for example, where a man died in a motorcycle accident, but he gets counted as a COVID death, then you're not getting proper reporting because hospitals and other places are incentivized to report. And that's again for COVID. So I'm not going to, that's for a COVID discussion. I'm not going to get deep into that. So I think the media needing numbers and feeding fear played the biggest part. As far as China not reporting their numbers to the WHO, who's going to tell China what to do? Nobody's going to stand up to China, and nobody's going to make China report the correct numbers. And if somebody did say something, China would give them the middle finger and say walk off so why would there's there's there is no reason for them to report the numbers because everyone's sucking at the teat of china all of our manufacturing is there so if somebody stood up china could just stop product stop iphones from coming to america can't have that so the videos that vin you have seen that I've seen, those are bad for the communists because it makes them look bad. It makes uh, it brings them shame because they're trying to portray themselves as holier and mightier than thou. And so, when videos get out of government officials, cops, or whatever the the People's Liberation Army. Uh, welding people into their homes that doesn't look good for the regime and for Xi Jinping and that's I guess where I stand that's fair uh, Shen your response to uh, all the topics in regards to this question okay for starters uh, I believe that for example they were nailing people in their houses but something to note, uh, that's a very, very good way to stop the spread of an illness. It was something that's been done since the medieval ages. So it's a reasonable thing to do, at least as far as to stop the spread. And I fully believe they did. I don't really have a response to the rest of them since my information is not necessarily on the same wavelength that is perfectly fair um i think in your response with wielding doors shut stopping the virus is true with that being said there is the other aspect of individual liberties so while i think the fact that uh 
Welding people stores shut stops the virus is true. I do not agree with it because personal stance. I have a feeling that John and Connor may also agree. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, freedoms take priority, but that was how we were raised. If that makes sense. Am I wrong, John and Connor? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that. Um, I I was raised the exact same way. I value my freedom way more than someone else's safety. I will take someone else's safety into consideration in the choices that I make. I'm not gonna just you know walk into someone's house because I want to. It's their house. I I, I understand that. Um, but at the end of the day, I do I do value my freedom way more than I value someone else's safety. Um, what If you are in a community where the collective uh, safety is more important than someone, than an individual's freedom, and it has been that way in that community for hundreds, if not thousands of years, why fix a thing that's not broken? So if that's how it works in whatever area that is, cool, do that. I'm of the, like I said, I'm of the opinion that freedom is more important than safety. Would you agree, and, John? Oh, go ahead, Shinto. Uh, just something to note, uh, a side thing, technically. China is still rather Confucian in their beliefs, so stability is a, a, a cornerstone of their uh, society. Just a note. Yeah, I can't see exactly where you're coming from, and I think that's a huge difference between the U.S. and China. The U.S. is founded upon freedom and individual rights, while China is more along the lines of stability, more the collective instead of individual rights. Does that make sense? Am I correct on that, Shin? From a general standpoint, yes. Awesome. And once again, I'm tiptoeing the COVID line because I don't want this episode to be strictly COVID. Uh, John, any last uh, statements here? And then we'll move on to China, free speech, and censorship. I can't say this word. Censorship. <laughs> censorship. Well, Thank you. I understand, Shinto, where you're coming from as far as, you know, locking people in their homes. That worked before China was a civilized, industrialized, I should say. That's a much better world. Like where they currently are, where they have technology, where they can build hospitals in a week. You don't need to be locking people up anymore. And people locked up in the same house. And, and I, by the way, I, I don't need a, a report from a government or who or the CDC to tell me I have two kids and a wife if my kids are sick and we stay in the house the sickness is going to come back unless we get out unless we clean unless we get out it's going to recirculate over and over again so I think we're at the point in time in history where you don't need to be boarding people into their homes or welding their doors shut in order to stop a spread of infection. If you leave people in the same place, 
the infection is just going to keep getting passed around and around and around until they either eventually die from starvation since they're locked in their home or the disease kills them. It might have worked before. And then on Connor's point, if the community or that specific community wanted to be locked in, if that's how the community as a whole there uh, felt was the best thing for them, then that's the choice that they have made. I That's fine. I don't fix what's not broken. But I don't believe these people had a choice in the matter. And I, I, I don't think the Chinese Communist Party went up to them and said, would you like to be locked up in your home or not by us welding this door shut or boarding your doors and windows shut? So that's where I'm at there. Alrighty, thank you. And uh, I have one more thing to put uh, into that, yep. if you don't mind. Yep, no, I do apologize. Yes. Uh, just an add to that the density of the Chinese population is also the issue. Uh, in the United States, that's not something that's required because uh, population centers are actually spread across the country relatively well. But in China, there's uh, effectively, like, let's say, the size of, I guess it would be like Texas and Oklahoma combined as far as like strong living area while the other areas are sparsely populated. Right, but it wasn't Meaning, just, it wasn't, it was Especially with an Asian population. Like, right. uh, that's another thing to go along with that. To avoid older people being, uh, getting sick, this was more of a requirement than it would be in the United States. I, I understand your guys' thought process. I just thought I'd bring that up. No, and, 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 and I know that in China, the populated areas, like the, the big they those are extremely dense and populated, almost pod living to a degree. But this was also happening out in the farmlands where community was further away from each other, very small areas so it wasn't just relegated to the big cities at least from what i saw from what i read this this was nationwide i think that's a fair assessment both of yours are um with that being said but but, but shinto's point is is very good especially because that's something that most people don't think about is how dense the population of a place like a Hong Kong or a Shanghai or uh, their their major major Beijing. towns, Beijing, yeah, are uh, that actually really is important to note. Still, you don't weld people into their homes. Yep, and uh, I'm going to cut off the COVID conversation there. <laughs> so, um, any more uh, conversations regarding COVID? Stay tuned uh, when we get around to our COVID episode. With that being said, I did lie. We were going to talk about censorship, but this was a, such a good segue that we're going to do this instead. China, their population, their population size, the one-child policy. Um, I recently read that their reproduction rates have been on a decline for, decline for the past five years, with it being on an all-time low. Uh, Shin. 
I'll let you start with that. And what's your opinions on like the one child policy? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? Um, do you think it's a good thing that their birth rates have declined? Just a very broad topic there. Okay, from a general standpoint, the one child policy was a rather intelligent uh, design. Uh, when China first became, well, first was under communist rule, this is a, I'm, I'm not going to elaborate too much, but the birth rates were around three to eight children per family. Now, with that said, nowadays it definitely is an issue. Uh, and as you were saying before, the birth rates are so low because of the additional cause for additional children and the dying elderly population. I, I think like, uh, what, uh, I might be wrong on this, around 40% of the population is in their 50s. And that definitely is a, a major issue. Unfortunately, I do not have uh, the statistics about like their main population being a certain age. But uh, what's your stance on like, do you think there's, uh, I don't think there's an easier way to phrase this. Do you think there's too many people in China? You sort of answered that. Uh, can I get a clarification on that? I, well, with the land area and living areas, space they have, I would not say they are too numerous. With that being said, the fact that they're in like pods makes it far worse is basically a, what you were saying earlier, correct? Well, uh, pod hotels and pod living spaces are not necessarily uh, my apologies. Too uncommon, uh, so. Pods as in like hubs, central hubs, like you have Beijing, you have Shanghai, and like the major cities. That's what I was trying to get at. My apologies. My, well, okay. I, I, I think Shinto, and it could be wrong, what you're saying is, is that if you took the population and spread it across the country, it wouldn't be dense. It's, it's like in America where New York City and LA have buttload of people but when you drive out to the country there's almost nobody there yeah especially with the amount of people they can actually upkeep the amount of arable land in china is well quite good within themselves uh i, I think technically i think that it was brought up they could support around 2.5 to 3 million uh, sorry 3 billion people in total with the arable land that they currently have That makes sense. So basically, like uh, John mentioned, if they spread out, it wouldn't be nearly as bad. Because I think that's another big issue that the United States actually has. Pollution is bad in the city hubs, but if everybody spread out, pollution wouldn't necessarily be as bad. Um, without getting too in-depth into like pollution in the United States, um, am I making sense? I might be going in circles right now. <laughs> no, no, it makes sense, at least to me. So the only issue with population and spreading a population over a large area of land, uh, let's just take the United States, for example, um, you can and you can easily apply this to China. 
Um, we have parts of the United States where, yes, people can move out of the city, go out to the countryside and live, and it'll be just fine. It's, it's as if nothing even happened. But then we also have parts of the United States where it's a desert. What are you going to, like, you can't really live out there unless you have access to some kind of a deep aquifer. Um, you have to be able to kind of sustain yourself in a way. So I live in a desert. I've, I've lived in a desert as well. It's, you have to have some kind of a life support system keeping you there in order to live. China has a very, very similar situation. Whereas they have a, a desert called the Gobi Desert in the West. That's in fact, the majority of the pop of the West of China is just one giant desert. A lot of people live mostly along the coast and on the north end of China. And then a lot of the central central parts of China is where a lot of your farms are. Now, you can't just move someone onto a farm because, for one, you're taking up space where it, that space was used for food. So then you're immediately removing food supply from the population. And that could affect your ability to feed your population. The United States has a very similar has a very similar thing. We're not we don't necessarily have a food problem, but if our if we just decided to, hey, every couple in the United States can suddenly have six or seven children, I wouldn't recommend that. But if you want to do that, cool, go right ahead. You do that for like two or three generations, then you're going to have a population problem because you're not going to be able to sustain that type of human growth with the current food and food technology that we have age. Um, so with the China one child policy, I think that's where they were mostly going for was that they just, they couldn't sustain the human population growth rate that they were experiencing. And they, there's probably some mathematicians, um, some scientists who are saying, Hey, this is pretty much the mate, the best solution that we have. They implemented it. And now we're experiencing their aging population where they have a larger old, where they have a larger older population and a much smaller younger population. And now they have kind of like this window of time to really do the things that they want to do before they just don't have the population to kind of back up uh, the bark. Like they just won't have a bite. They'll have a, they'll just have a bark. Um, so that's kind of with the one child policy that's kind of where i'm going at with that yeah i definitely think uh the one child policy put them at a disadvantage because uh with them wanting to take over taiwan and potentially other countries without actually trying to project it uh my thoughts on to what they're actually doing they're on a time crunch because it takes uh, and no offense to the older generations, but it takes the younger generations to be able to declare war. Granted, you do have that whole argument of saying we're entering in new phases of war where it's going to be more AI, more drones, more robots on the ground than there are humans. So that could counterbalance their one-child policy, in my opinion. Um John, do you have any uh, other comments, thoughts, and 
whatnot about the population of China. Do they, can they spread out? Do they need to spread out? Should they go back to one child policy? Do you think it's a good thing that they had a one child policy? Because you're very individual rights. And if somebody is telling you to only have one child, what would your response be on that? I don't know. My, my understanding of it, basically the way I see it is it's fear and it's control. It's the Communist Party telling them, telling people what to do. Um, I also think, if my understanding is correct, that China valued men more than women because they wanted to build a bigger army. And now the issue is they have too many men and not enough women, which is why they have a decline in children. And parents would get pregnant. If they found out it was a girl, they would kill it. So now they're murdering children in hopes of having a boy so they can have the one child because that was socially acceptable and the party could use that child as its tool to continue to grow. So that's where I feel. Uh, yeah, of course they can expand. Um, I live in the desert. There's farms all over the place out here. If China can't make something happen again because of where technologically they are in the world, if they can't build out there, if they can't expand out there, then they're clearly not as strong or as amazing as they're made out to be. But at the end of the day, my feeling with the one child policy has always been since I can remember was that it was control and it was fear and it's how you keep your population in place by using whatever tactics necessary because that's what communism does alrighty I like those uh, opinions from everybody here um is there any other comments, questions, thoughts uh, regarding this particular subject before we get into our last subject of the night? I will no, take. I this. think we're. Uh, I think we're good on that one. I just want to. I do want to say thank you, guys. Um, uh, you've been awesome, Shinto, um, Seamus. Uh, I appreciate you guys like uh having good conversation i uh, thank you even even if we might disagree and agree on some stuff like i really appreciate uh being able to talk to you uh just a a thing to note about your statement that one child policy to create a large army it's technically uh was the idea of you know passing the family name that was the idea just to know either way it was still the male was more wanted than a female. And that technically uh, was kind of fell out the window with the Communist Party, but it was still something done in more war areas. Which is actually is kind of why uh, China in the 1970s were trying to get uh, Asian women to immigrate to China. Uh, so they would have more people to quote-unquote breed with. Because <laughs> they didn't have enough women. Yes. And that was an issue before the CCP, just to know. That's a very good clarification that um, most people that I'm aware of 
assumed that the one-child policy came from the CCP, but the fact that uh, if it actually did happen before the CCP, I do think it would be... Uh, well, one, once again, audience, make sure you fact-check everything any of us says. So, um, I oh, believe you, you it's still... me. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I was talking about the societal difference with, uh, with the killing of the female offspring. Uh, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Sorry. Like, yeah, not the heard... one-shot policy before the CCP. Okay. I, yeah, because... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, in many cultures, most people wanted their firstborn child to be male, to be able to carry on the family name, to be able to take care of the older generation. Is that correct? Would, uh, am I talking out my butt? <laughs> Um, so for what it's worth, I don't know if we're, if we're talking pre C, uh, pre-communist, um, one child policy, but the most current one, if, uh, <clears throat> at least because I just, just to make sure Shinto that you were right and you very well could be, but at least the current one child policy started in 1980 and ended in 2015. Awesome. And the communists still had the country. There was an old one as well. Where... Okay, that's that's what I'm saying. I yeah. don't know when the old one is. I, I my understanding of I think it was the, like 1960s. It's possible. My understanding of the conversation, at least, was the more recent one. I I'm almost 100 percent sure. I would back you on that if uh, you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. If that makes sense, I would, I would, I would go with you on that. There probably has been uh, more one-child policies, and China's probably not the only country to ever institute something like that either. I'm just saying, in the current situation that China is in, it obviously hasn't worked very well for them. I guess. All right. Uh, along with that. Uh... One issue that China tends to have, at least like the CCP, is because of how they deify Mao. Getting with uh, like some of his fundamental policies is difficult uh, for the you know the party to do in general. At least from what I've been told by uh, and as well as what I've researched. I mean that's very possible. I it it it's hard to change horses in midstream you don't do that but they have a mouse set up that cultural revolution there was a plan in place and i don't i don't think that the ccp wants to change course they have their plan they know what they're doing they're making adjustments as needed but the overall plan i think is the same at the end of the day Alrighty, uh, let's get on to the final topic of the night then regarding China. And I would just like to give everybody the heads up. Uh, China is a very generalized topic, huge topic. It is almost expected that we're going to do more than one episode of China. And who knows, we might do an episode on like a whole bunch of other countries too and not just China. We might do one with Russia, we might do one with Australia. 
Britain, Canada, Mexico. So uh, stay tuned for those. But for the final topic of the night, um, is one that I hold very dear in my heart, and I think it's what makes America the best country in the world. I will stand by that is freedom of speech. We have a very fundamental, a lot of us, our country was founded upon freedom of speech and individual rights. With that being said, I, I, I do not like China's response to freedom of speech. The, from my understanding and from what I've heard, uh, one of the biggest news stories that I read recently was regarding freedom of speech is a Chinese millionaire or billionaire, I forget which, I always get those two numbers mixed up, um, actually disappeared for speaking out against China. And if someone that rich and assumably that powerful a position can just quote-unquote disappear, that has me really worried for the country. Um, let's start with John on this one. Freedom of speech, China, your concerns. Am I, are my concerns misplaced? Do you think there's something we need to be aware of? What are your thoughts? In China, there is no free speech. The only speech you have is um, the regime's speech. And if you go out of it, you are disappeared. Um, as for censorship, again, it's the party's message. Anything um, off script is disappeared. I mean, our country was founded on each individual's inalienable rights that are given to us by God, not by man. Uh, but at the same time, you and I, Americans, can't expect somebody in a different place in the world to have the same morals and values and beliefs that we do. Um, we can't put that on them, and, and nor should we. But um, speaking as far as, yes, I agree with you. I think America is the greatest country in the world. I hope it continues to be that way, but that's a whole other discussion. But China doesn't have free speech, and they have no problem censoring their people. You have to toe the party line. You have to say the party slogans because at the end of the day people want to live even if it's in the situation that they are in because it's all the only thing that they know have known because i know that there are people that have defected from america and they all say the same thing freedom is really difficult to wrap their head around once they have it because they've been so programmed real quick you said uh defected from america do you mean no 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 defected from china to america sorry okay just wanted to clarify and no problem but um freedom the concept the fact that they could 
say their local council member is a poop head that has bad policy, that's a really hard concept for them to grasp. It takes years for them to get it. Uh, and that's because they've spent so much of, they've spent all of their lives being told what they can and can't say and how they're supposed to live their life. And that's just no way to live. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, they have no free speech and the government tells people what to say. So, yeah, it's censorship and some people are okay with it. And I'm... It's a, t a topic that we didn't get to then, and maybe it's one that we can get to later. Uh, obviously, there's the whole Uyghur Muslims thing that's going on, and that's big. And we yep. can do that at a second podcast. But I think one that's um, also not talked about, too, is other religions like Christianity, Catholicism, that are in the area, and these underground churches and what have you would be, uh, again, because they're not allowed to practice those things. People have to go into hiding underground. They have to drive out of these big cities into the farm areas just to have church, regardless of the religion, unless it's the state-accepted religion. So that's, I mean, that's all I got to say. I'm sorry for taking up so much time there. No problem. That's actually uh, one of the things that I was going to lead to as part of this topic of religion, because freedom of speech and freedom of religion tend to go hand in hand. Both of them are in our Constitution, the First Amendment, for a reason. Uh, with that being said, Connor, your turn. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm going to agree uh, that China doesn't have free speech. Um, coming from a society and a culture that values it, it, it kind of shames me that China doesn't have it. Um, but as John alluded to, individuals who grow up in a society where freedom is just not a thing, where you can be born into a world where you, don't, you have no freedom, you're taught a certain thing, and well, hasn't killed you yet, why change it? Then you go this whole time, you maybe you're like 30, 40 years old, you run into another group of individuals where they kind of teach you about this thing called freedom and they explain it to you and they kind of show it to you. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little scary. It's like as if you go outside your door tomorrow morning and there's a flying saucer ahead of you and they tell you everything about the universe all within the span of like 10 minutes yeah you're going to be terrified you're going to have a lot of questions you're going to be very very like negative about it at first because it's completely alien to you overwhelmed exactly um do i believe china should have free speech yes do i think that they'll that they will ever have it mm, i'm gonna say not in the near future uh once you give someone power, they really don't like to relinquish relinquish that power. Um, why why would the Chinese Communist uh, government want to relinquish power? If you can't answer me that question, then they're obviously not going to want to be able to give their population free speech. 
they're not going to want to allow their population to um, have access to the World Wide Web. We mentioned earlier they have no access to Google. Uh, and Google is a whole other topic, but Google is also a great tool to access information across the entire planet. And the fact that the Chinese people, they live and die in that kind of a world and it works for them, why would why would they have free speech? So that it's, do I agree with it? No, but do I think it's gonna change? Once again, no. And one other thing too, uh, people that have freedom like we do, don't value it like somebody who's never had it before. And they won't value it until they have it all taken away. And that's not everybody, but the, the general idea applies. You don't know how important a freedom is until you can no longer have that. And you can never experience a freedom until you experience it for the first time. You don't know what you have till it's gone. With that being said, uh, Shen, your stance is on it. Uh, what I would consider it, like I said earlier, like I think like 45 minutes ago, I would say limited free speech. Uh, the fact that you can technically say uh, all these things, uh, detracting from the government, but more in private detail or via letter in some way or form. It is the outcry or the public way of doing it that tends to be not necessarily just even looked down upon, which is shoved to the wayside and causes these quote-unquote disappearances. Uh, like, my assumption, like with what you brought up with the billionaire leaving, is that he was no longer allowed, due to the social credit system, to speak out publicly because of what he said against the government. Uh, let me clarify that. He didn't, to our knowledge, he didn't leave. He disappeared. We don't know where he went. And uh, most of the... Yeah, nobody's seen this guy at all. Yeah, and most of us who are know enough about the story assume that the Chinese government play, did him dirty. Family-friendly show. I'm not going to go into what I think may have happened. He did. Lack of the better words. I, I disagree with that sentiment, but yes. That's fair. That's per perfectly fair, and it's okay to disagree. Anyways, uh, continue. Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, push it off. Uh, the CCP tends to have a... Why was like an arbitrary uh, manner of controlling... You have limits free speech when you happen to speak against the government. But you have uh, just general free speech when you're speaking of something that's not even tangentially involved with government policy. So it, it technically goes hand in hand. Which is why I say limited free speech. Uh, also, just to note uh, about that Google thing, they have their own search engine that technically does... Uh, allow the average person to search for information of course from only certain sources that's been approved by the government yes I and that 
And also the reason why Google isn't in China was because they wouldn't allow the government to censor the search results. With that being said, uh, in case some uh, individuals in the audience or listeners weren't aware, there was a period of time where Google was trying to create a search engine that was allowed in China. That fell through because the employees of Google protested it. I support that protest. <laughs> but anyways, I just want to throw that out there as another tidbit of information. Once again, do your own fact check. Fact check me. Make sure I say what I say is true. With that being uh, said. I'm just going to throw this out there. If anyone wants to fact check me, tell it to Ben Tornado and then he can yell at me. Because like I said earlier, I have no social media. So if I say anything, you want to, I don't know, correct me in anything, get with him. He'll let me know. Oh, yeah. Once this podcast goes live, I'll definitely be checking on the comments uh, probably daily because this is going to be my baby. <laughs> Anyways, um, Shinto, was there anything else you want to add on? I did sort of cut you off there. I believe that's pretty much it. Uh, I only gave my opinion in on the topic that's fair essentially limited speech is it a safe assumption where if speech is in question um agitates a society making it unstable you would be against it uh okay for my opinion on uh, uh that basic thing i'm perfectly fine with people saying what they wish to say uh it is more as in using that speech to organize something to violently erupt uh, into a, a riot or a protest is what I would have issues with. You voicing your opinion causes change, but forcing that change uh, by using quote-unquote insurmountable force is my issue. If you want something changed, do it uh, the normal way by voicing your opinion and having the people who are in charge understand that. And if enough people care, it may be changed. Okay, and uh, just to make sure I'm on the same page in regards to China, do you believe China, you mentioned uh, privately people were allowed to protest. Do you believe China allows that voice of change per se? Am I making sense there? From what I've been told, if it's, uh, if, if it's a statement directed to the government that is not seen by the rest of the populace, it's allowed. Uh, this is from like the, a few people I know who live in Beijing, who have sent uh, like notices, not necessarily notices, like uh, letters or uh, had talked to politicians who are part of the party, uh, who, well, were able to continue speaking with me afterwards. Okay, that's fair. Uh, in regards to religion, then, uh, religion in China, John uh, mentioned his opinions. Um, real quick, for the audience who may not be aware of, do your research on the Uyghur Muslims, because there's some things that we might get wrong here, but for the lack of the better words... In my personal opinion, what's going on with the Uyghur Muslims might be uh, able Uyghur. to... 
Uyghur, my apologies, uh, Uyghur Muslims might be able to be compared to the Jewish population in Nazi Germany. That might be going a little on the deep end, but that's why I encourage everybody to do their own research there. And if anybody in the panel wants to call me out on that, feel free. Uh, John, I'm gonna, we already heard your opinion. Uh, I'll let you rebuttal as needed. Uh, but Connor, your opinion on freedom of religion in China. Uh, I kind of have the same view on religion as I do with freedom of speech with when it comes to China. Um, there are third countries all over the world that their state religion is, whether it be Christian or has to be specifically Catholic or they're Sunni Muslim or they're a Hindu country. I kind of I classify religion into that same freedom of speech category. Um, do I believe someone should be persecuted or targeted because of what they say or what they preach or what they believe in? Not necessarily. Um, maybe in small cases where you are openly saying, I'm going to go harm these individuals because that's what I believe and that's what I'm going to do. Okay, then maybe we should do something about that because I don't think people should just be targeted because of what uh, someone hears their neighbor's dog say. That person should probably be looked at, studied, and hopefully have a good uh, psychiatrist to help them out through their life. Um, but if China doesn't want Uyghur Muslims in their country or if they want them to change, they should definitely do it or go about it a different way than what they're doing right now. Um, the mainstream media is doing a fantastic job of not reporting on it. Um, a lot of my sources that I go to are having a hard time getting information on it because it's in China and China su uh, suppresses a lot of information leaving China. Um, but from what I have read, when it comes to an imprisonment of, an, of a population because of their religious beliefs or what they say, that should not be looked at in a good way at all. I believe, I personally believe China should be held accountable for this. Um, go before the the UN in the Hague and answer an answer for for this kind of stuff because obviously we saw this happening in 1930s Germany and I'm not saying it's going to lead to what Germany did with everything that they did but it's definitely something to look at a counter to that is China is on the human rights commission in the UN so unfortunately nothing's going to happen plus it's the un they don't really have any power over individual countries that don't allow them to have that power i agree with you this is a human rights issue they should be held accountable for the murder and uh what's the word uh, persecution persecution i mean, there's lots of words i'm just um of, of these people again i think this is part of a bigger conversation that we should do on a different podcast 
because I think we can go a lot deeper on this. But as Shinto said too, the best thing you can do is have information. So understanding the religious beliefs of the tra the country traditionally um, is important to know. But also, uh, I'm, you know, again with Connor, everyone should have a right to practice whatever it is that they want to practice, even if it's super extreme. But the second you try to harm somebody or try to kill somebody, then we got to have a conversation. There's a, there's, uh, there's a huge difference morally and obviously um personally at least to me in that regard so that's i guess really all i have to say for the moment Alrighty, uh shin i want your opinions on the topics that we brought up so far in this particular topic i'm going to throw in another question on top of that for you with china censoring what's going on over there should we expect the worse in regards to the Uyghur Muslims? And once again, I apologize uh, for mispronouncing it earlier in the stream. Uh, you're going to work on Uyghur Muslims because I always pronounce it Uyghur. And I was just that's all naive. I've ever heard it as. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but anyways, uh, do you think it's. Should we be expecting the worse with what's going on with the Uyghur Muslims? Uh, Shin? Go. I do not believe that we should be expecting the worst. Uh, if my memory involving CCP policy on religious beliefs, I don't remember this for a fact. It's been so long since I actually did the research on that. You're supposed to avoid the spread of, for example, Christianity. Well, not necessarily like forcibly stop it, but they disallow or disavow people from following those customs. Uh, I believe that's because of uh, during the previous dynasty, uh, I think it was the Qing, but I might be mistaken. Uh, the Qing dynasty, which was the one right before the CCP came to power and the Republic of China. There was the Kingdom of Heaven that spawned from uh, Christianity becoming prevalent in a few provinces on the eastern sea uh, side of China. Now, why this matters is because they stored effectively a, a civil war or revolution against that current uh, regime, which could have some bearing on the current situation. And following the Uyghur situation, uh, does anyone have a... Sorry, I, I should probably wait for a response for... The beginning of that or I'm good I have no responses yeah I'm good on my end yeah I mean I, I get where you're coming from but it still doesn't give the government a right to tell people what they can and can't believe that's understandable I'm effectively saying it like it's a governmental trauma uh, that, that caused that uh, sort of policy. Now, examining the Uyghur Muslims directly, from what I've been told, 
uh, because being told something and paying it to the uh, uh, main media sources in the United States are, tend to be entirely different things, that they're forced to stay within a certain region, not necessarily in a concentration-style camp or, you know, murdered. They have... I guess the best way of putting that is like they're sort of like second-class citizens, which is not good, but at the very least, they, take, they can live their lives as they sort of wish. They just are not allowed to leave that region uh, because of fear of spread of their religious beliefs. That is fair, and I disagree with your statement uh, or in regards to the sources there, because I've seen sources that would state that it is more like Nazi Germany, but that's a whole another can of worms like is your source right or my source is right or john's source oh. is right or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying i'm just merely talking about like from what i've heard from the people oh yeah yeah uh, living is... in the region like that, that that's that's all i know that's that's the only way i can uh, provide my opinion oh yeah and that's perfectly <laughs> okay i'm not calling you out or on it i'm just saying uh it's tricky because like uh, we've said china is censoring what's coming out of china we we just have to take people's words on it that we might not know. And that's the tricky part. And that's why I like uh, your response with, uh, should we expect the worst? No, here is why. And once again, I personally disagree with that, but that doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong, and that doesn't mean you're right and I'm wrong. Um, I don't know what... You, uh, John, and Connor have heard about the Uyghur Muslims in regards to uh, how severe it is. Uh, would you say it's like the same where it's like it's hard to pinpoint what's actually going on because there's so many different news sources saying two different, three different, four different things? I mean, I... I really haven't heard too much about that situation, so I can't really, I'm not really going to really say anything on that, other than I don't really agree with the persecution of those group of individuals because of their religious belief. Um, I still, I still stand by that. And uh, if, if you disagree or agree with me, that's fine. Um, but that's kind of where I stand on that. All right, John? I mean, you, the CCP gives you a choice. You either go to a re-education camp or you work, you are sent to a camp where you have to perform slave labor for no wages. And I mean, let's be honest, a barely livable life at that point, those people would rather die than than live. I might not agree with theologically with what they believe. Um, but again, these people are peaceful people. They're not bothering anybody. And if the message that they're spreading helps the community... Why is that such a bad thing? 
Why does the government fear that so much? Because at the core of a religion is you're governed by a higher source than the government that you serve. And just like our Bill of Rights and our Constitution, our rights are derived, at least in America, from a higher source. And that scares the government. But again, uh, is this akin to Nazi Germany? Well, as, as far as we know, they're not uh, giving people acid baths. As far as we know, they're not starving them to death. But at some point, those people are going to be um, worthless to the government. And it's a lot cheaper to kill somebody than it is to feed and clothe them and give them a place to sleep. I think that's very true. Because uh, even if they're not doing it right now, there is a chance that it might get better for them. But then there's also that chance, and I think it's a greater chance that it might get worse if they're just, like uh, Shen said, in like, locations isolated from others. There's a chance it could get worse. I hope it, a... I, I, I'm with Shinto. I hope it doesn't get worse. I'm with you. I hope it doesn't get worse. I don't want it to get worse. I don't want to expect the worst. But from the type of government that there is in China, I've only ever seen the worst. And that's what history tells us. Yep. And with the censorship, for all we know, it could have already happened. Or it could be happening right now. And it's just, it's, it's a scary thought that a group of people like that can be persecuted just for what they believe in. Even if it's just like you're isolated, you cannot converse with people on the outside. And it's just scary. I'm, we're lucky in the United States. Um, with that being said, I do want to... I hate wrapping it up on a somewhat of a somber note, but I do want to wrap up uh, this episode. Uh, does anybody have any last uh, statements they would like to make about any of the topics discussed in this episode? Uh, John, do you have anything? Or do you think we're good? I'm good. All righty, uh, Connor. I'm looking forward to China podcast number two. <laughs> it probably the won't sequel. be. <laughs> it probably won't be till season two at the earliest, but there definitely will be one. Uh, Shin, what about you? Any last comments? Any want to address anything? Um, cha cha. All righty. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's remind everybody where they can follow uh, the hosts and all the guests. Uh, I'm going to start off with, hopefully I can remember everything uh, Gunga's uh, social media. Uh, it is W-O 
Gunga, as you can see on the screen if you're watching any of our video formats. Otherwise, it's G-U-N-G-A, uh, W-O-G-U-N-G-A on, I believe he said Twitch, YouTube, and there was one other, unfortunately, it is escaping my mind. If any of the guests or John remembers it, please say so. Unfortunately, I don't. Or you could go back earlier into the podcast, listen to what he said, and then you can listen to the podcast all over again. <laughs> I like that idea. It gives us more views. <laughs> I That's a better that, idea. I don't know if it works like that, but I like that idea. Um, with that being said, uh, Connor, is there any uh, social media? I know you said there were none. Anything you want to say as uh, you're bidding farewell? So, like I said earlier, I don't have any social media. Uh, John alluded to me as Seamus earlier on in the podcast. That is because um, when I play video games and when we communicate through Discord, my name on those those uh, locations is Seamus. So that's why he referred to me as such. I'm Did sorry, you... by the way. Ah, it's all right. Naughty John. But yeah, that's essentially uh, Connor's gamer tag. Most of us know him by Seamus. So, uh... so like I said, uh, no social medias. Um, if you have any questions for me, um, for anything I said in this podcast, you don't you agree with, you don't agree with, you want more clarification, um, get a hold of Ventornado. He will then relay those questions or concerns or comments to, to me, and then I'll get a hold of you through there. Maybe we can do a special section on the Discord that's an Ask Connor. Look at that. I'm so special. AMC, instead of Ask Me Anything, it's Ask Me Connor. <laughs> that might actually be a members only if we ever get a subscribe star or... Um, locals. Locals, thank you. Or the... Patreon. That's the big one that I don't like, but that's on a different topic. Alrighty. Uh, you have to you have to work and pay for my answers. I'm special. <laughs> All right, uh, Shinto. How about you? Where can our viewers find you? Um, and is there any last statements you would like to give? I can be found over on Twitter.com forward slash masterofreapers. M a s t e r o v r e a p E-R-S, as well as on Twitch, at twitch.tv for slash Shinto underscore Reaper. And just in general, no additional topic statements. Awesome. In that case, as for me, I am Ventor, and can be found on most alternative platforms under the name Ventornado. That is V-E-N Tornado, V-E-N-T-O-R-N-A-D-O. That includes, but not limited to, Minds, Gab, Parlor, Gitter, YouTube, Rumble, BitChute. And as for Twitch, where most of my streaming goes, uh, just slap on a one at the end. So it's V-E-N-T-O-R-N-A-D-O-1. And uh, you'll find me there. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. And a special thank you to our guests. We are out.